Lunch time. It was a lovely Sunday afternoon filled with laughter, fun and good conversation. But enough about what I got up to. This is, of course, the Brisbane Football Review. We better talk about what happened at Suncorp Stadium. This is James Scott and Adam here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Guys, how are we after Sunday? Good, James, Adam? Yes, very well. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't, um, wasn't. great, put that way. No, I think uh, we'll get right into segment one uh, right off the bat because... Well, there's not a lot to talk about, but we need to discuss the Raw's 0-0 draw with Wellington Phoenix, their second straight draw to open up the 2018-2019 A-League season, and we're going to play some of the highlights for you right now. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the highlights from that game. I watched on delay after an engagement party for a couple of friends, by the way, congratulations Ollie and Ash. It was a lovely afternoon uh, Sunday, and I really didn't miss much at the game, did I? No, you didn't miss too much. It was a bit of a defensive-minded game in terms of chances created. There weren't too many chances, but it was an intriguing game in a, in a different way. Adam, what do you make of it? Yeah, look, uh, in, all, in all seriousness, um, look, I think uh, it's a case of um, two teams are work in progress at the moment. I think um, I think the Knicks were actually good value for uh, for obviously what I've seen. I think maybe that there might be a, more than a few people that have maybe underestimated what Mark Rodin's trying to do and Wellington, whereas I think the Raw as well, they, they really, um, it was almost like a step backwards from uh, from last week, but they were they looked a bit more, they were a lot sharper last week against Mariners. And this week it seemed to be, I think it was more, they were stifled, and they didn't really come up with a plan B to, to sort of that, to play that energetic sort of style of free-flowing football. Yeah, I think the effort was there to play the same style. The um, execution wasn't quite there, but I also give a huge credit to Wellington for that because Central Coast defended with great desperation in the first week, whereas Wellington had a bit more structure about what they were doing. I thought they were really well organised in the, the way they wanted to defend and the way they could restrict the spaces for the war. I think they did a really good job of that. That is a credit for it. Yeah, what jumped out for me just watching it on the TV uh, recording when I got home was the fact that Wellington, like much like Central Coast, they came out with a pretty clear plan, but... It was much more structured, I suppose, in the way that Mark Rudan had set them up. Whereas, you know, they might not have thought they had the pace to uh, trouble the Raw like the Mariners did. But what jumped out for me, you guys would have actually probably missed this, because this was on the TV broadcast, but Thomas Christensen, you know, was pretty harsh on his teammates in his halftime interview as well. It was a pretty blunt assessment of the way that they played in the first half. And... Truthfully, I thought overall, Wellington actually probably had the better of the first half. They came out, they were organised and actually had a chance to take the lead that you would think most people would be able to do. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but they certainly had the better chances in the game, even putting that aside. Sarpreet Singh had a couple of good chances. Roy Krishna had a one-on-one early in the second half, which was very similar to the chance which Connor Payne took in round one. So they had a couple of very good chances in this game, Wellington. They might be kicking themselves, actually. They didn't take one of them. Yeah, look... Um... I think on balance, I think uh, I think we safe to say that Wellington were actually probably the better team. I think um, the Raw's chance were few and far between. Um, I think for, from memory, I think it was only probably one so clear standout chance. I can maybe, think of two. Mickelson had one on the break one, yeah. and Lopez laid on 
that was really they're the two big chances for the Raw that I recall. Well, I think right now what we might do is get uh, John Aloisi's thoughts on the game from the post-match press conference. Yeah, look, it was a difficult night because um, we haven't really played against a, a team that uh, has five at the back and then uh, really just two sitting midfielders and defend so deep. So we found it hard to, to penetrate them. Um, but the first 10 minutes, I thought they had the better of the game. But then after that, we were the team that controlled the game and, and we're trying to break them down. We had our opportunities and we just had to watch their counter-attack because you know, that, that, that's where they're dangerous. They, as soon as they get the ball, they go very direct, in behind. Um, but I thought uh, Avram Papadopoulos and uh, Pepper dealt with that well. It was a difficult game. You know, it was the first time, like I said, that we've come up against an opposition that plays that sort of style of football in that way. Um, and we probably just lacked that, that sharpness in the final third that we had the other night. And that was the difference. The lead up to that was clear that we were getting into good areas, but we probably just lacked that sharpness. The reason I actually really wanted to bring up that press conference there was the way that Alois talked about Wellington structure and it's something we talked about in the season preview where they really did stifle out Adam Taggart. I thought he had a quiet game and that was by and large by the design of the Wellington setup. Yeah, the service wasn't quite there for Adam Taggart as it was the week before. He didn't get the four or five glorious chances he did in week one. I think, again, Wellington defensively deserve huge credit for that. And John Lewis, I don't know if it came across in the audio or not, he mentioned it in his press conference that they didn't play that way when they met in the preseason game down at Rabina. They played with a more back four and pushed further forward. So this was a, a new looked raw, a new looked Wellington defensive structure that had not been seen by the Raw previously. So it probably caught him a bit by surprise as well. Yeah, um, I think it showed. I think um, I think the, the Raw went to a certain, into a certain game plan, and when they saw the formation, they sort of didn't know what to do about it. Because um, and, and it sort of it sort of showed that you know that basically it's a very it's a work in progress as far as being able to prepare for you know what they were talking about midweek and you know it's sort of a training or not. But they but they couldn't really ad lib up, and, and like I said, I think they really did well to sort of really take Adam take it out of the game. Yeah, they did. And, but that is one of those games where I actually kind of look at it and think, that's where I want to see someone in the midfield step up and really try and take control. Lopez was certainly trying to do that. It just wasn't happening for them in the final third. And that's, if you're looking for a concern for the rule, that's where you would say, because the, Lopez was really good in midfield again on Sunday. It just There wasn't anything in the final third from the... The players got into good positions with no end product. And I guess that's the concern. I mean, in pre-season, the goals haven't quite been there. So far through two games, they haven't quite been there. It's just not quite clicking yet. I think the, there's certainly the players there, and you can see what they're trying to do. And the movement's really good. It's just not happening in the final third for whatever reason. It sort of makes moment. me question, you know, about Stefan Mork's sort of, you know, suitability of being number 10. Look, no question, he's a, he's a good player. He's a key midfield player. But filling that attacking midfielder, playmaker, number 10 role, take the pressure off Adam Taggart, I, I'm not convinced that that's his right spot. I I kind of think that actually would have been a game more suited to someone like, say, Brett Holman. Mm, who that's we've seen language. more, yeah. uh, maybe more of a he plays more of a passing yeah. sort of role there, and he had that one chance where he came in late off a header and was just off. Like yeah. he made that late run to the box. We've yep. seen him do it a few times for Melbourne City, and you know if that cross was just a little bit closer, yeah. that would have been you know a typical yeah. Stefan Moore goal. But yeah. maybe with Wellington sitting so deep and trying to crowd out Adam yeah. Taggart that's where you would have liked to have seen someone like Holman who could just line up and shoot. And having said that, um, Mork got in some good areas as well. In, the, in Just outside the digital box, was in some nice areas to receive the ball. Just Again, the, the last pass wasn't there on Sunday. What about the attacking options on the bench? So, um, 
in came uh, Nick D'Agostino onto the bench for Steph Negro, where it seems like Aloisi thought, you know, he had the confidence in Connor O'Toole and Avram Papadopoulos, who were under clouds in week one, yep. they were going to come through as well. They were able to get through yep. the game, so he wound up going for an extra attacking option. Yeah, he brought D'Agostino in off the bench. He only gave, what did he come on, the 89th minute or something, so it's a bit a bit difficult to ask him to come in and make a difference at that point, but he had Enrique there as well, and Enrique was really good when he came yeah. on. So I think he, there was a more attacking look to the bench this week, which is good. Yeah. I think my big takeaway from this game was you know, the Raw, still a work in progress, very much yeah. so. We've seen signs for encouragement, but look, in all honesty, you've got to give the credit to Wellington and the fact that their coach, Mark Rudin, has actually been trying to change the culture a little bit. Yeah, look, fantastic. I, I mean, I was very clear on what my intentions were when I came to the football club, making sure that I got to know each and every individual and I wanted to know their background, um, what happened throughout their lives, be it on the park and off the park. And uh, that played a massive role in, in you know, recruitment. So obviously Wellington would be happier to come away with a point, but that's the fourth straight game between these two sides that have ended in a draw. It has, actually, and it's the second straight game in Queensland that's ended nil all, so some fun times between Brisbane and Wellington here in Queensland, that's for sure. I will admit that game was a lot more entertaining than the one we saw at Rabina last year. Absolutely, definitely on that. That was was rough. Yeah, so I I didn't see the one at Rabina, thank God. I think that three-letter word thing might have had an impact in that game, if I recall correctly. I think Gamero was through for a one-on-one, which was ruled back. Incorrectly from memory. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, so... I, I suppose we do have to mention uh, the miss from Stephen Taylor. That was... Yeah, we do. <laughs> I like, it, the weird thing is, though, like, I don't even blame Jamie Young for that. Like, I can't, You can't really put a whole lot of blame on Jamie Young because he, he turned it around the post the way you would expect a yeah. goalkeeper to. I would have had more of a problem with it had he just palmed it straight in front. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not great, is it, from Taylor no. to miss from that. I was actually to Adam on Sunday. It's very similar to one with Newcastle, I think it was, at the end of the 2014-15 season when they missed from about a yard and a half. But that was a bobble. This was about yeah. as clear a, clear a chance. It's absolutely perfect. There was no excuses for missing that. It was, If it's not miss of the season, I'd hate to see what's going to be because it's going to take a lot to beat that. That's what, that's what I fear because that was open goal. All you had to do is, it was probably, again, it was probably harder to, it was one of those harder to miss in the score. But then again, it's a typical sort of centre-backs uh, sort of effort. So, All right, One last point I want to cover on this game is actually the performance of the two centre-backs as defenders. So Stephen Taylor, obviously, you know, not going to be putting his hand up to fill in as an auxiliary striker anytime <laughs> soon. But at the back, he was, well, I thought, phenomenal. He he did a really good job marshalling the defence and getting players in the right position. Well, the three central defenders for Wellington, because they played a back three in this game, Tom Doyle and Durant, they were all really good. They yeah. did, they were um, really well organised. Again, they, I think Taylor really led that organisation from the back on the field in terms of the way Mark Rudin wants them to defend and be in the right, right areas. I think he leads that. and Yeah, I think defensively, they look much improved, Wellington. Because over the years, sorry, they've been, defensively, there's been the question mark over them. They've always had goals in them at guys like Krishna, etc. up front, but defensively, they've leaked a lot. And if yeah. Taylor's going to shore that up, maybe they are going to be better than people thought. It's unusual that we get a um, a defensive marquee, but again, you know, this is probably what he's he's paid to do, like the big bucks, you know, he, he um, sort of, he has, you know, really given steel, because, you know, I'd say Andrew Durante, he's been a, you know, fine a fine sort of centre back, you know, across across many seasons in the uh, A League, but he's, he might actually have a partner that really will add to that, and I think it can be good for Wellington. And yeah, Durante was also quite good there as well. But I want to go around to the Brisbane side, and Avram Papadopoulos 
picked up that early yellow card, <laughs> which well, I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. No, no. But <laughs> I thought he was actually really controlled for the rest of the game. Like, I can think of certain defenders who play for a London-based Premier League club called uh, Skodran Mustafi, who would have slid in <laughs> and picked up a second yellow card. And But Papadopoulos, like... There were a couple of times there where he had a player running at him, and I think if he... He backed off, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, no, I can't afford a yellow card, mm. which, you know, for him was actually quite a good move. Yeah, he was... He was he, Again, he was really good against Papadopoulos, Marshall in the back four, really helping helping Pepper out. But if you're talking about Mustafi, I'll still trade him for Smalling, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what can I say? Arsenal, well, well they lost their... Um, well, they drew for the first time in about 10 games, so Emery out. <laughs> I know a guy who might be available. <laughs> <laughs> Not if Real Madrid have anything to do with that. All right, so I want to close off this segment just talking about... So I've seen two games from the Raw. It's kind of... I think we've kind of seen a ceiling of what they can do and maybe a little bit of a flaw of the worst-case scenario of them as a playing group. We saw them look really good against Central Coast, create plenty of chances... And we saw them, I would say, probably battle through a game. They did, overall did look quite flat yeah. in that one. And, you know, maybe it was just the setup of the Sunday kickoff. Maybe it was something else. But what do you make of it? Two points from the first two games. I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah. I thought they would at least be on four by this stage. I think everyone thought they'd win at least one of the first two home games. I mean, I think they're more the Central Coast performance than they are the Wellington one. Because I think back to... They're looking at the game in the FFA Cup. They were very good as well. So I think they've been twice really good. Wellington, not so much. But I think I think they're more tracking towards being that team we saw against Central Coast in round one. And you mentioned they were flat, and that's a very good point. And this is why I'm actually surprised Matt Mackay didn't come on because I know he's not the midfielder we've seen in the past, but he brings energy to the side. And yeah. maybe with 15, 20 minutes to go, maybe that's what you needed. Just a bit of extra energy in the, in the midfield there. It would have been just an interesting thought as an aside. Yeah, look, um, I think, yeah, I would, I would have thought four out of six. Um, one thing I also want to make mention quickly is, you know, is actually the crowd figures. Um, yeah. Is that like I said, and against two sort of traditional non-drawing crowds, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, it'll interesting to see whether you know there will be sort of that rebound effect of you know of two sort of you know not so great performances that um, whether the crowds will keep on coming back. Yeah, well, was it 15,129, if I can read Scott's handwriting correctly? Yes, you did read it very well <laughs> off the cuff there. It's actually the second highest crowd the Raw have ever had against Wellington. So when you think about Wellington, they're not a traditional drawing team. It's an excellent effort. Yeah, and well, obviously, you know, early season promotions and whatnot, that's doing really well. But yeah, like you've got to get these people in the gate once. And I, yeah, I, just, I hope it does continue to grow. Like that's a... That's a big yeah. thing for me right now. And you've obviously got, you know, the Raw Supporters Federation who are doing some good stuff to try and get more people into the gate. Yep. It's, yeah, I, for me, it's just a case of building on that now and yeah. you've got to get the results to back yep. up the optimism. That, that, that was the point I was alluding to, that, you know, I'm not sure if the results, um, is in, it would be in current side to get people back through the gate. And, so you want to hope that, yeah. And don't tell me that those sorts of dull dour games only happen in Australia when you look at Southampton versus Newcastle on the weekend. Oh, no, they happen everywhere. But I also think it's not it's not quite time to panic just yet in terms of the results. I think if we're a couple of weeks further down the line and they're still without a win and not taking their chances, then it might be time to, to worry. But two games in, I think it's a bit early. I, f- I feel like we're going to probably know a lot more about this squad after that game against Melbourne City on November 24. Yep. They'll have had time to really 
you know, bed down together because I don't think you're going to lose a whole lot of players over the international break. I think that's when you're going to know. That's when you're going to know a little bit more about what the squad is capable of. All right, that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's uh, We're reviewing round two of the A-League and round one of the W-League. So for segment two, we'd better do our W-League review. What do you say, guys? Mm. It was a much better game, actually. Yeah. yeah. The A-League game on Sunday afternoon, that's for sure. Sunday actually got off to quite an entertaining start by the sounds of things between the two, despite the fact that, as we found out, just after we recorded our preview last week, Sam Kerr wasn't playing for Perth Glory. Yes. Yeah. A few disappointed faces in the crowd, perhaps? Just a couple, actually, I think. It was... Certainly could have done with having Sam on the field, obviously, a player like that, but it helped the Raw not having it, that's for sure. I think it made a few people later, I think, because if Sam Kerr were playing, I reckon there would have been a bigger crowd. That was a pretty good act. That was actually a pretty good crowd there. It was just under 4,000. Yeah, 3,796 yeah. was the announced crowd figure, which, so is a fantastic, which is a fantastic effort for... The first half of a doubleheader at 1pm on a on a very hot Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think there were a few people that probably could have been thinking, you know what, I might just stay in the air conditioning early on. And uh, note, uh, note to those people that, of, that were over in the uh, Eastern Stand, they're obviously over there for a sunbake because <laughs> that on a Sunday, on any afternoon, is probably the worst place you could be. I, I just hope that they remembered sunscreen. I hope so. Now, the game itself, uh, Perth... Uh, scored first through Alyssa Mortz, and they're all equal as late as they always do <laughs> through Carson Pickett. Uh, we're going to go to Mel Andretta uh, from the press conference right now and get her thoughts on the game with a question from regular contributor Angela. So, Mel, a bit of a skate there at the end. Um, how do you feel the game went up until that point? Um, I don't think it was an escape at all. I think we controlled the game, and one mistake um, was punished, and that's what teams will do in this league. But you know, going forward, we're in great areas often, um, and we've got players to come back. And now we have Mel Andretta's thoughts on the game. Let's go to our own expert, Adam. Oh, that's uh, called me an expert. How flattering. Um, look, um, it was uh, a game, I guess, um, it was fairly, I think it was a fairly even contest, I think. Um, I guess guess um, Perth gave as good as what the Raw did, and um, at the end of the day, it was all, I think uh, the draw, I think, was a fair... Fair result, I think, on, on balance. Um, yeah, look, both, both teams were remarkably under strength. So I think I think as far as looking long-term prospects for a season, I think it's very, very hard to get any form line out of this because there were some key players missing for both sides. Yeah, there were. Scott, what did you, what did you take away from it? As the non-expert, I thought it was very similar to the Central Coast A-League game in Round 1 where the Raw were excellent in terms of creating opportunities, getting the ball forward, dominating the game, but they just spurned a lot of chances. They had three or four chances on the edge of the box where they just shot over the bar. And if any of those go in, this is a completely different game. So I thought it was more in relation to Round 1 with the A-League side. They were really, really good on Sunday, the, the W-League team. Oh, they were very energetic, getting the ball forward. They had some young players on the side who contributed very well, which we'll get to, but they were really good, and there's plenty to be positive about with this side, once again. Well, I want to go on to the young players. Now, we've got a list of uh, debutants. There was Ellie Chappelle, Jenna McCormick, Anna McGrath, Chioma Ubagagu, and Leah Davidson. They're playing numbers 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82 for the Raw W League side. And Scott, I pose this question for you. How do you decide who's 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82? It's based on the team sheet. So the goalkeeper obviously gets the first number, then defenders, midfielders, 
forwards and then substitutes. Well, well I actually had a considered response for that. <laughs> yeah. Don't you just swear at me? <laughs> That's why Tom Willis is number one on the A-League list, and Casey Jimon is number one on the W-League list, because they were the first goalkeepers named in the first team to okay. play. There is actually a method behind it. I was wondering if... Whether was, you like the method or not, there, there is actually one there. I was wondering if it was who kicked the ball first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there were quite a few debutants, and this is what Mel Andretta had to say about uh, the young goalkeeper, Ellie Chappelle. Uh, good. I think the future is looking very bright. We had um, three schoolgirls on that park, and uh, one was a goalkeeper, and that's a key role, and she held her own, and, and to be fair, there's not much she could have done about that goal. Um, and she got a tip on the one that hit the, the crossbar. So um, she's a fantastic prospect and um, Maka loves competition and she's, she's got a fight on her hands now. And we're back now with uh, Mel Andretta's thoughts on Ellie Chapel. So my apologise for getting that wrong. Thanks for clarifying that while we were playing that audio, you, Scott. You got, the, yes. you got the, uh, the tough name right, so... Yeah, exactly. I'm the Stephen Taylor of pronunciations. <laughs> I'll miss the easy ones, but you know, I'll get the complicated ones down pat really quickly. Just ask Nathan, Nathan Constantopoulos. Yes. If you listen to the commentary on Sunday, I think I, we all feel better about trying to say Chioma Ubagagu because yeah. the commentators had as much trouble with it as we did. Yeah, Teo and Sarah Wolf. Eh? <laughs> There's a fair few different uh, pronunciations there. So That's right. We'll, we'll go back to Ellie Chapel. There we go. And... So she filled in quite well for yeah. uh, Mackenzie Arnold, who is still awaiting international clearance from a Norwegian club, by the sounds of things. I mentioned Casey Dumont earlier. This was the youngest goalkeeper since Casey in the first season of the W League, and it was a bit very similar. Two very young goalkeepers in the side, and they were. And Ellie was fantastic, actually. I don't think she put a foot wrong. I mean, as a young goalkeeper, you obviously want just want an early touch of the ball, and I don't think she did any much wrong at all. I think, as Mel said in the. Th- quote there, nothing she could do about the goal. It was a mistake up the field and made a couple of good saves tipping the ball over the bar. She did really well, actually. As a there was young one that goalkeeper. she tipped onto the um, crossbar. Yeah, which Ra- th- Rachel Hill's shot early on. That yeah. was a tip. Yeah, there was one uh, where she went on a bit of a venture, but um, they, they escaped that. But look again, um, look, I, I agree. She had a fantastic game you know, and you could not expect anything more from a 17-year-old debutant. I think that Early save from Rachel actually helped her immeasurably as well in terms of getting her to calm down. When you make a good save like that, it has to help your confidence, no doubt. There's actually one really good photo from one of the raw photographers going around. I saw it on Instagram and it makes me wish that I actually had my phone with me. I believe it was Andrew Hudson. If I get that wrong again, my apologise. But yeah, there's a really good one of uh, her just getting a hand up there onto the ball and tipping it on. So yeah, it was really encouraging. Yeah. yeah, sorry, I'm going back into the run sheet now because yep. I thought I had Instagram on my iPad, but I don't. <laughs> and we'll talk about the raw equaliser now. Uh, Carson Pickett pushing forward, and again, we'll go to Mel Andretta from the press conference. Uh, yep, that's uh, my assistant coach's idea. <laughs> so I give credit to Gareth McPherson, but she's another one with a great left foot, and she's an attacking threat. And, um, you know, we, I'm not going to take a backward step, and I'm not going to, you know... Um, Step back, and we were we knew we could get the win. Um, we're disappointed we didn't, in fact. So, um, putting her forward is playing to her strengths, and we'll always look at our strengths first and not weaknesses. So, the first uh, thought on that for me is well done, Mel Andretta. I absolutely would not have credited my assistant with that thought <laughs> no, on that. I would have claimed that myself, too. Actually, we all actually a lot of people were surprised. all egomaniacs, or well, you are definitely, but <laughs> yep. I think a lot of people were surprised when Alira Toby came off for Summer O'Brien, which is what orchestrated the change with Carson going mm. forward, but it worked really well. I think Carson had created a great chance not long after that 
for Ubergagu as well, just before the goal. So I think it worked really well. I mean, full credit to the Royal Coaching staff for that idea. It was really good, really well done. Yeah, it was yeah, well played. Uh, so yeah, chalk that one up for the whole coaching staff. Yeah, look, it's uh, well, look, at the end of the day, it's uh, out-of-the-box thinking that what, what sort of saved that one. Um, yeah, look, uh, look, Carson Pickett's probably one of the finer you know, sort of uh, wing-backs in the league. And I think it just shows, again, you know, the value of having versatility and be able to play multiple positions in the women's game. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about uh, one of the other new signings, Ubergagu. Now, you made special note of this in the run sheet, Scott, yep. so... What do you want to say? Oh, she was fantastic on, on Sunday afternoon, playing up front, wide on the right at times. She was absolutely superb in the way she was able to make good runs off the ball in behind, creating opportunities. Probably should have taken one or two of her opportunities, but as a first up up appearance for, for the Royal, she was excellent and added something to the front, though, which was not there last season. I, I think she's going to be a terrific player as, as she gets more in tune with the players in the front third around her. And we will just go off the pitch quickly and say her spectacular form for the Raw has been rewarded <laughs> uh, with selection in the England squad for their upcoming games against Austria and Sweden. And based on her entire Raw career, it's easy to see why. <laughs> oh, look, uh, you, you don't, you're not an American under-23 player and a, a collegiate, uh, I think, uh, co- like, I think she, uh, Stanford actually won whatever it is over there, the um, from yeah, NCAA, yeah, NCAA. The, yeah, championship or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, she's she's a fine player. She's gonna be she's gonna be a great asset. If that's if that's the own game one, I can't wait to see her what she produced in game thirteen, fourteen, and also as well, you also consider as well that they've still got Yuki Nagasato to come yeah. into that side. So, look, even one will draw. Very hard to read the form from it, but look, I think you know, there's exciting times ahead for the Raw. Haley Razo also to come back yes. as well. So when the front third does get complete, I think there's a lot to like, and Ubagaga could be right at the heart of it for the Raw, which is encouraging. Perfect. And that's and that's not to say, you know, you know that Alira Toby also has sort of a fairly solid game. Yeah. I, th- I think she picked oh, yeah. up a knock at um, midway through the second half, which might stifle her a little bit. So, but uh, look, I think I have many choices. I think this, you know, you, you take the point and move on. And just in terms of the scheduling of this game, I did actually get to see about the first half hour before I had to go to the engagement party. And God, those double headers are fun. They are great, aren't they? Yeah. It's not. I don't think it's not great for the W League players to be playing in the heat of the day, but it's fantastic to have the two teams playing back to back at Suncorte, and it's really good. I mean, I, I've said on the show before, I would much prefer more double headers than fewer. But if you could just maybe move the kickoff back for the A League game a little bit, to because one thirty yeah. on a really hot, and it was a really hot day on Sunday it in was. Queensland. Mm. I mean, it would have been really tough out there. So for them to run the game out as well as they did, there's a credit for that as well. Certainly. And they put on such an entertaining spectacle as well, because we've seen a lot of these early kickoffs. Sometimes the quality is a bit lower because of the heat, saps the energy. But that certainly wasn't the case on Sunday. Absolutely. All right, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this with our news segment. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane segment three now and we're going to go through some of the top news stories that come out from the weekend now one of the big things uh this week has been the var discussion but i'm actually making an executive decision here and saying that we're not going to talk about var because quite frankly you've heard it all before and there's nothing new that we can add i think we all agree that var sucks and it really needs to change 
but there is nothing no, no, no. new it's that we can It's fantastic, the VAR. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine. It gets everything right, and we should just stick with it. Have you sent a job application to the FAA <laughs> by any chance? I know, I'm just... Take, take yeah. our comments last week. Go, go back to our... Take our, our comments world. from last season. Yeah, and that's... I think your sarcasm that, might change. need work if you thought that was serious. <laughs> that, that, that'll um, listen to Mark Bozich's rant because, um, yeah, that pretty much encapsulates it. Or oh, Mark Bozich's rant encapsulates what his Twitter feed says. Mm. All right, so we're going to move on from that because, quite frankly, yeah, there's nothing that's new That's more than it was worth. Yeah, we're a minute in. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, the top story from a Raw perspective this weekend, though, has actually been Suncorp, which is out of action if the Raw win hosting rights for a semi-final due to the NRL Magic Round. So uh, that's going to take place on, what is it, May 8th? Mother's about Day 11. weekend next year. Yeah, don't worry, Mum, I'm not going to take you to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Adam, I believe you have a few thoughts on this. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to go make a coffee. I'll be back in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I might join you. Run. Look, um... I think this has been really literally a storm and a teacup because, quite frankly, we're talking about something that may or may not happen. So we're looking at now less than a ten percent chance of it happening. Let's let's be straight on that. But this whole notion that oh that the, the fans getting up and up in arms about about you know something that it may or may not happen. I think it's it's just it's almost like some of these fans are thinking, oh, it's been such a perfect off season, therefore let's whinge about something because it's just whinging. There is no way in hell when you've got the combined forces of the NRL and the Queensland government backing this magic round and the investment and revenue that they can get there, there was not a chance in hell that even if the FFA did book it, that they're going to stick to the particular booking. Magic Round, we've known that it's going to happen for a good six months now. And quite frankly, all these letters and all the carry-on... I I thought that the Raw Supporters Federation letter, open letter, I thought that was an embarrassment. All right, all right, calm down. Calm down. Yeah, I'll have a coffee, thanks, James. Um, I didn't mention FFA, but this is... Look, I hope this does eventuate as a problem because that means the Royal finished in the top two and we get a home yeah, no, semi-final no, no, and we can get to some potential options where they might play in a minute. But I, this is where I do blame the FFA because they have known for a long time that this magic round concept is out there. It's been discussed quite often in the last at least 12 months, if not longer, that this is something that Suncorp Stadium and the NRL want to do. So when the A-League put their draw out, the FFA, what, did they actually soft book the, the ground for that weekend at all? Because... We've seen in the past that other grounds, they have done that. They've booked grounds, particularly in Melbourne now, because of what happened with the grand final there a couple of years ago. They've soft-booked the grounds for that whole weekend. Did they do that at Suncorp Stadium or not? That's the question, because if they didn't do it, that's on the FFA. This is an FFA problem. It's nothing to do with the Raw. This is the FFA. They run the finals. They choose where they want the finals to be, depending on who owns hosting rights. So did they soft-book the ground or not? Because if they did... Actually, two points to that. First of all, David Puray completely play a straight bow on that and, and when, he, when he was questioned when people start getting on the Raw's case because yeah. you're right that's, a, that's one fact it's the FFA that runs the final series yeah. but I put to you that I don't think it would have mattered even if, if the FFA did soft book because I think there would have been overriding there would have been overriding principle that they that they would have no, probably. Yeah, like I said, this is a four-day event and like I'm, I know we're on a football show I might be sounding like you know, the lone NRL fan but I'm saying from this is how commercial business works. You take you know twenty five thousand maybe, you know at 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 Suncorp saying for a semi final, or you can get you know you know across you know four days you get you know almost you know, it could be two hundred thousand. 
yeah, across yeah. the four days. Well, like from a commercial point of view, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be. So look, I, I, as I was saying before, you know, I, I personally think the the open letter that's not a good look. What, I don't know what it achieves. Yeah, Quite frankly, yeah. you won't get solutions. I think the RSF should stick to their lane, stick to about getting, actually getting more than 15,000 on the ground rather than worrying about politics. Shifting what did I miss? You, you missed nothing at all happened. <laughs> so where do you think this game can be played? This is, what I, this is what happens when the host leaves the room. <laughs> no, I just went to the kitchen. I think Rabina was the first option everyone thought no. of because it's been the ground where they've moved games to in the past. So I think if the Raw have their way with this, I think it will, they would much prefer Redcliffe. But I like the idea of playing it at the Gabba. It's a central ground. It's it's in the city of Brisbane still. It's going to be available. You would assume the Lions won't have it booked all weekend if they have a home game that weekend. The cricket pitch will be well and truly removed there. It should be a well-maintained surface at that point. I think the Gabba is probably the most likely venue. I'd take the Gabba, mostly because I can just see it if yeah, I lean be... back in my chair a little bit. <laughs> but, all right. Do we need I, to calm I, Adam down after that yeah, rant, by the way? Adam, that was Adam, one of his I'm best giving ones. you a coffee, because I th- don't think you actually need it right now. <laughs> That's one of his better ones, that. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, so my thoughts on it are, remember when this was initially leaked out? This was supposed to be A-League Grand Final weekend. It was supposed yeah. to be a weekend later. Problem is, the QRU had already booked Suncorp Stadium with a firm booking yep. for when they were going to play the New South Wales Waratahs. Now, if they were playing one of the slappy South African teams or whatever... They probably could have taken that game to Rabina and no one really would have. Well, they're not that, moving their biggest the, game of the season. And that's the, the distinction that I'm making is that the FFA may have had a soft booking. And I think that, that the Suncorp saying operators would have, would have just overridden it. The difference with Super Rugby is that they actually had already published the draw before it was there. So there was no way. They, like, in good faith, they could not they could not uh, change that because it was locked in. There. And Queensland, New South Wales, I think, which is one of the QRL's, uh, QRU, sorry, is... Um, one of their like money-making games. Yeah. The other thing about this report that came out, talking about they might, they might affect the grand final, I don't agree with that at all because it's a week after. And yes, you mentioned the rugby have booked the ground for the Saturday night. I think if the Raw, fingers crossed, they do host the A-League grand final, it would be Sunday afternoon at Suncorp Stadium. There's no way it would not be. It was seen in the past they've done, they've played the grand final on a Sunday afternoon at Suncorp after multiple codes have played earlier in the weekend and it's not been in the greatest condition. I don't see why that would change... This year, again, there's a lot that has to happen, by the way, for this to even become yeah, an eventuality. The Raw need to start winning a yeah, couple of the games. The Raw need to start winning some games, need to finish in the top two, which, as Adam pointed out, is no guarantee. But I hope it happens just because... Yeah, it's a, it's a first world problem yeah. that I think we would yeah. all love to have. Yeah. And we, we might have a different opinion you know, in, you know, next March or April about this. But at the moment, we're two games into the season. The, the absolute hyperbole over this has just been... You know, yeah. Well, look, all I'm going to say is... What I've noticed this past week, there's a wide range of feelings in the Raw fans right now, because there are some that wanted to hand back their memberships after that opening round draw to Central Coast, and there are ones that, you know, say we should be hosting the grand final, which, well, frankly, I want them to. One other thing on Suncorp is this magic weekend comes at the back end of a really busy period at Suncorp, because there's, I think, two or three concerts in the early part of 2019, and there's also that Nitro Circus motorbike gibberish thing and, also. Uh, it's going to be a very busy period at Suncorp Stadium in that time and this is at the end of it so who knows what the field will even look like and at Jeff the end Horn of that. versus Anthony Mundine. That's at the back end of 2018. Yeah. But so. either way like, there's a lot going on and it's it's the one thing that when the stadium debate does come up and I don't want to get into that now no, except for the fact that, that this is a this is a reality of living in a multi-sport economy right now. Yeah. Like 
the smart thing to do is to work with other codes and see what you can do. Yeah. Like, I honestly would love to see the game at the Gabba. I yeah. know it might not be great yeah. for sp- uh, sight lines, but if you're yeah. at all confident of getting anywhere over 20,000 for said semi-final... That's where you play it. Otherwise, yeah. you go to Redcliffe. Yeah, Redcliffe would be where the, effort, where the Raw would prefer to play, as opposed to Rabina, I think, but we'll have to wait and see what the FFA would prefer to do in that sense. And that's it. That is one... Like, I have full faith that... You know, David Pure and the Raw management are going to lobby yeah. for what they feel is the best case scenario. But, but at the end of the day, realistic. it, is down, to, it yeah. is down to the FFA operating out of Sydney going, all right, well, we need to come up with a contingency plan. And frankly, they've got enough notice of it. Cause One last the, thing on this. Yep. The, ideally, the Rugby League would have moved their magic weekend the weekend after the other grand final. Then none of this is an issue. But you're right. We have to work, with, other, we have with, to work with other codes to what's best for them. Because for them... Moving it further back is going to affect their season and the other events State they have origin. coming up. That's yeah. what That's it's going to really one. impact. That's why they probably couldn't yep. have it any later than what would be a league grand final weekend. So, look, I don't think this is a going to be a um, continual thing here. This is more a one-off, isn't it? To I think it's Kate, a let's see what happens. To I placate be... the fact they didn't get the grand final at Suncorp. Truthfully, they wanted, yeah. so. Truthfully what I actually could see it happening uh, is uh, when that new Townsville Stadium opens up soon. Oh, yep, Ooh. yep. That could I could see them doing a magic round up there. I thought you were going to say the Raw could play their semi-final up there. That'd go over real well. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, that's just it. Like I think it's really not an ideal situation for the A League, but unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation where you do have to deal with other codes. And I don't want to get into this whole code war thing where no, uh, NRL is no, this, NRL is that. Yeah. Where unfortunately. So if you're Suncorp, you're not going to turn down a guaranteed booking of eight games in yep. four days. What I will say, though, is knowing the Raw's luck, if they do happen to finish top two and wind up <laughs> earning the right to host a grand final, there is going to be about a week and a half of non-stop rain either side of the Magic Round. Of course. <laughs> just, just saying. All right. Should we I'll, move on? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's yeah. What, I went away for... That's, a, that's that 10 minutes we've only gone through one news topic. Well... Yeah, <laughs> one and a half. All right, uh, FFA AGM. So candidates for the new board are Stephen Conroy, Craig Foster, Judith Griggs, Daniel Merlis, Chris Niku, Remo Nogarota, sorry, Remo. Nogarota, yep. Yeah. Linda Norkey, Heather Reid, Mark Rendell, and a familiar name if you watch the early seasons of the A-League, uh, except I don't think it's got a whistle this time, Mark Shield. Yeah, there's some very familiar names there. There's actually some names I'm hopeful will get on the board. I think Heather Reid would be terrific on the on the committee if she was able to win win an election onto it. I think Craig Foster would be excellent on there. You can disagree with his analysis of the game sometimes, but you can, you can't disagree. He's always got the interest of the game at the heart of what he's saying, which is, I think, what you want on that board. And I think those two in particular would be two that I would want on there. And this is nothing against Remo personally, but he was involved in the game in the late 90s, early 2000s when the game was struggling. And I just don't want anyone from that era involved in the game currently. That's nothing against him personally. He might not have been the problem. It's just... I don't want anyone from that era involved. Okay, just as a devil's advocate to that point, would it not be time to maybe try and build some of the bridges that maybe were burned in establishing the early days of the FFA? Possibly. It's just, you'd have to really... I'd have to go back and read. There's a great book called Shootout from what happened in those days in the corporate governance of the game. It's just... His name's one I remember from that book. And okay. Just because, so of what, just because of the way the game was run at that time, I'm gun-shy about bringing somebody in from then. I can understand There's nothing against him personally. It's just that... 
there's just one one name that actually sticks out from from my point is actually uh, Stephen Conroy. Oh, uh, dude, I was hoping he'd bring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, look, um, look. While I don't really share his politics, I think having someone who has been a former, you know, federal senator, you know. Yeah, I think that also, because I think that's one area where I think the FFA needs to strengthen up yep. is their relationship with the um, with the federal government. I think, you know, having a former politician there, I think also, I actually think, you know, may actually sort of benefit. So, look, it's interesting that, you know, he put his name forward. Yeah. So, all right, I just had to finish my coffee that's there. Good. That was a good good coffee. I did a good job making that. Anyway. Do you want us to go on another rant so you can have another coffee? Oh, God, no, I'm not going to sleep then. <laughs> all right. So the thing that I want to see... So how many people are they voting on to this four? four? Yep. What I want to see on this is a mix of football people and non-football people. Yeah. Yep. Like, I feel like the game is going to go completely yep. wrong if they say... If they just bring in a new bunch of business administrators. The thing is, isn't the current board mostly business, business administrators? So you would well, want to bring I mean. football people in now to balance that up. That's, that's why I, mean. I said like, go for two, Hillary, two. Craig go Foster. From, go for two people that have football at heart, like, for example, Craig Foster, who, yeah, I think we've all laughed at him on SBS at certain points in time, but he does have the game, like, he does want the game to thrive. Yeah. He might have, he and, he and I might have different ways to, yeah. different ideas about how to do it, but he's a football person, and, like, his main goal will be to make sure that the game doesn't wind up down the toilet again. I think, yeah, Adam's suggestion of Stephen Conroy is an excellent one. I think Steve he's Conroy. possibly going to be the new chair. Like he's yeah, been touted as Conroy, Craig Foster, Heather Reid, and then one of the others. I think that would be the best combination. But those are the three that I'd, I think I'd make the most sense. I'd be shocked if Heather Reid doesn't get there. Obviously, yeah. you know, well respected, and obviously there's that that women's uh, game perspective. I think they yep. they've got a big hand in the Congress to have Heather Reid on on the board would be a big thing for them. I've been having a few interesting discussions about, I suppose, fan representation as well in the upcoming Congress, and I think we can touch on that a little bit later on down the line, but it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of the fans view these appointments, and I like, cause I think yeah. it's fair to say there's quite a lot of cynicism around about the FFA at the moment. Never. Yeah. And but I think... To be, to be honest, to answer, answer your question on that, I think if you never hear of these of these board members again, I think it could be a good thing, and I think at the end of the day, the, the board of directors are supposed to, you know, meet behind closed doors and work on the governance sort of thing, and at the end of the day, the public face of the FFA... Are your David Gallops, your Gregor Rourke's, and all that? I and want they're to see the ones, more of Gregor Rourke. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones that they that you know, are the public face and the fans need to worry about. I think the board, I think they will they will look after themselves. It's a bit like referees, really. When you don't talk about the referee and don't notice yep. them, they've generally had a good game. With board members, it's the same thing. When you don't notice them, they're generally doing a good job. That's it. All right, we're gonna. Uh, keep moving on right now to the third and final story. The, you know, keeping this to three stories was supposed to shorten the news segment. <laughs> well, tell Adam to calm down with his rant, hey. and it will. Hey, All right. it's been a while. We've got the junior <laughs> national teams. Uh, young soccerers miss out on under-20 World Cup with a loss to Saudi Arabia. Uh, raw goalkeeper Macklin Freak was an unused sub. So it's just the third from a raw... straight time they've missed it as well. Yeah. So it's not great. Mm. From a Raw fan perspective, I think we know why they missed out. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then the young Matildas, a little bit more successful. They progressed to the final round of AFC Under-19 Championships qualifiers. Finished top of Group A with wins over Mongolia, 18-0. They actually outscored the Buffalo Bills this week. <laughs> Le- Lebanon, Had to Lebanon get that in, didn't you? Of course. Lebanon 2-0 and Hong Kong 3-0. Round 2 is April next year, so good for them. From a raw perspective, Annalie Grove, Winona Heatley, India Page Riley and Caitlin Torpy all took part. Yep. Cool. That's right. And that's your news update right now, so I wish we had more to add on that, but... I think that's about it. We should go back to Adam's rant about the the, um, Suncorp round, I think. We'll be back after this. (laughs) 
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. I've just realised I've forgotten two things so far in this episode. First of all, it's Halloween. Boo. And second of all, I forgot to do plugs. You scared me then. I do what I can. I didn't even have to take my shirt off. So, uh, plugs. Obviously, Facebook, Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football. Email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. If you want to send your comments, complaints, questions, send them to Adam. Brisbane fo- <laughs> and the address is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon we get a bit of blowback on the uh, on that rant. Yep. Adam's entering the email for the next couple of days, I think. Oh. Yep, that's all Adam. I'm I'm going to go back and play Red Dead 2. Cause, yep. So let's get through segment four because I want you out of my house and I want to play PlayStation. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. You really are 12, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 29 now, going on 12. All right, so... Uh, we'll start off, ladies first, with the W League, round two, Western Sydney versus Brisbane Raw. Sunday, 1.30pm Queensland time at Marconi Stadium. All-time record against the Wanderers. Played 10, won 8, lost 2, drawn 0. At Marconi Stadium, played 4, won 4. That's a good sign, yeah. right? It is. And it actually, it was a 1-0 win last year in round three. Goal scored by Carson Pickett. So. There we go. There go. So, the return of the young, Mil- young Matildas girls to the side. Apparently, that coffee I had in the last segment is already wearing off. You know, I should have made it stronger. Yeah. <laughs> Are we expecting any sort of bounce back from uh, Western Sydney after their round one loss? Uh, or Sydney FC 2, is it, maybe? Uh, possibly. I think they probably should be try, should be having a bit of a bounce back. You would have hoped from the Western Sydney point of view. I think they would be looking for that. They've got the quality in the team to do it. They'll have some players coming back from international duty. So will the Raw, though. I think Annalie Grove will come into the squad for the Raw. And maybe even India Page Riley might come in as well. On the bench, extra striking option. Yeah, I think. But for the Wanderers, you'd have to hope, for their point of view, they're going to be a stronger proposition than they were on last Thursday against Sydney FC. I know Sydney are a super team and they're the favourites to win the competition this year, but they were there was a very clear difference between the two sides, and you would hope, for the Wanderers' perspective, that they can be a bit better this time around. You would have to hope. All right. So, would you make any changes aside from the one you mentioned, Scott? No, it depends on Mackenzie Arnold. That's the million-dollar question. Will she be cleared in time to play in this game? You'd hope so. If she's cleared, obviously, straight into the starting lineup, And then Yuki Nagasato, we don't know what's going on there. I don't think she's in the country yet, so... If oh, she's in the country by Sunday, you'd definitely throw her in as we well, because... We heard she was in Hawaii last time. Check on uh, Instagram. It's amazing how much recon you can actually do just on Instagram. I've learned that's, yeah. that's modern journalism about it. Just stalk people yep. on Instagram, and then you just... <laughs> That's journalism these days. And when I saw people on Instagram, I get slapped by my wife and called creepy. <laughs> so you should be. Because you are creepy. <laughs> She's just ignoring me right now. <laughs> creepy. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on, shall we? Yes. Just right. on one other change, I think I think Caitlin Torpy will be yep. into the side in that right back role if, if they choose to go for at the back. If they do bring it... I'm actually kind of interested to see India Page Riley if she does actually get a run. Because obviously, like, we talked about her during the NPLW season, and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about what she can do here. She she is a phenomenal talent. I think, um, I think her and Holly Palmer, I think they, they pretty much a lot of that um, NTC run to the championship, you know, that was them and the Fry sisters who we haven't seen yet, though. They're, they're still sort of going through the system. But, you know, she is a phenomenal talent, and... Um, Look, I think she, you know, I, I'll be into the next generation of um, 
of players coming through the W League, I think she'll um, she'll uh, feature prominently if she's given the chance. Absolutely. All right, so... We're expecting not... a pretty comfortable win here for the Raw, yeah. in fairness. Yeah. I think they should be winning this game quite comfortably. We won't, we won't worry about predictions because I think we're benching those for the season, yeah? Unless we desperately need... My fit. great relief, yes, we're benching predictions <laughs> yeah. in terms of score. Yeah. I think, I think fair enough, expect a comfortable win for the Raw, but I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, don't really take control until the final half hour. Yeah, look, I think um, that Raw should probably, will probably have too much firepower. I think um, it's a very, very balanced squad. I think, you know, if, if sort of starting 11 don't get the job done, they've got plenty of choice off the bench. Actually, one prediction I want to make uh, for this game. Katrina Gorry, 20-plus yards. I reckon long-range long yep. Well, yeah, why not? I, the other thing is, to watch this game, of course, you have to um, get the app. The My Football app. Yeah, it's not the television game this weekend. Okay, good to know. Yeah. All right, now we're going to move on to the A-League game, which sees the Raw travel for the first time this season. And, of course, they're going to Perth. Because yeah. every game has to be in Perth, apparently. Amy Park was really good when they moved it to Perth last week. That was great. <laughs> I like the way they did that. That was a good idea. Move it over to Perth. Absolutely. So Tony Sage will have no complaints about this one. Now, obviously, there are some... Oh, he'll have complaints. Don't worry. There... He'll find something. Yeah, I think it might be those three letters that we said we weren't going to talk about in the last segment. <laughs> All right. Now, they do have some fond memories of playing at uh, NIB Stadium. They've played 19, won 9, lost 5, drawn 5. One of those biggest wins actually came in round 27 last year, wasn't it? Yes, it was a much-needed win for the Raw to make the finals. I don't think I actually saw that game live, because I was... I otherwise you were doing in, com games. Yeah, I was doing com games, so I don't think I saw that game live. But, yeah, it was a huge, important result for the Raw, so no doubt they'll be happy to get back to what was a familiar and happy venue for the last time. I actually remember that uh, round 27 game last year. I was watching it live and my brother texted me after, I believe, Adam Taggart put Perth ahead. <laughs> and I don't think he was very happy with that, but they did go on to pick up a pretty big win. Well, that's actually a very interesting uh, subplot. Will be Adam Taggart's return to Perth, given there was a little bit of bad blood at the end of it. Uh, oh, that's what before they were complaining he, about. Before, yeah, yeah. Um, I told you they'd find something. Yeah, so that's subtle. But uh, interesting fact out of that game is that Perth Glory uh, haven't won in three games, which I think for them, um, even though they had a great win over Melbourne Victory in Melbourne last week, I think for them, for their chances to be considered uh, sort of premiership and you know contenders, they need to start winning games at NIB because that you know that waveform is only fleeting. Well, I, when I did Daily Football Show a few weeks ago, and uh, we spoke to Adam Papalier on that show, and he was talking about how Popovich really wants to turn NIB into, you know, the old phrase of, a fortress. Yep. And I think that's really important for them. And they picked up a draw in the Popovich derby in round one, and now I think they need to do it in the uh, Liam Miller did actually trip this up Berisha derby. Oh, no. That's not that. <laughs> the well, truth is never mean. Maybe those three letters would have had a very interesting look at that. But anyway. um, They said it was the right call. Yep. Um. You mentioned Adam Taggart's return to Perth. Hopefully it goes as well as Jamie McLaren's did because he scored on every trip back to Perth. So, fingers crossed Adam Taggart does the same thing. And I know Enrique also loves the goal or two over in, uh, over in the West as well. Absolutely. And that camera, especially. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm also interested about is um, Matt Mackay. He obviously didn't get on the field uh, this weekend for his 250th appearance. So, do you perhaps bring him into the squad for this week? Just give yourself a little bit more... I, I suppose, engine in the midfield. I still think the midfield functioned really well for the most part on Sunday against the Wellington. So I wouldn't change the midfield again. I would go unchanged starting lineup. But if I would certainly be looking to bring Matt McKay in off the bench. Because I, I don't think 
I think he's still got plenty to offer. Put it that way. And I think his energy that he brings off the bench as the game gets stretched and midfields get tired, he has a lot to offer in there. As a purely tactical thing, I would actually consider benching Stefan Mork, maybe pushing Lopez into a little bit more of an advanced role and bringing in Matt McKay to partner Thomas Christensen. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fair... I, my thoughts, I felt hadn't predict the staying lineup. I reckon it'll be the start, same staying lineup for the third week running, I think. I think, yeah, you've had, you've had sort of the good, sort of, I guess if you can call it the bad, let's see what the third sort of uh, shot will be. So, But I do agree Matt McKay has a uh, big part to play. Um, and the makeup of the bench, I think maybe Negro comes back in for D'Agostino. You reckon? Yeah, I think he might. I think he might go to sort of slightly defensive again. I think. It... I actually think that's going to be the approach for this game, and it's one of those things that we could maybe see them return to a little bit of that, bit of that tactical setup that we saw late last year when they did go on their unbeaten hmm. run, and started picking up a lot of points on the road. They did go a little bit more counter-attacking and. You know, some were saying it was, you know, not the prettiest version of football. But that's but that's a way. That's a way football. It's a results-driven yeah. industry. Yep. I, you know, I'm going to repeat that again and again. Mm. And if that's if they feel that's the way to do it, that's the way to do it. I think two teams come to Suncorp, play that style, and get a result. So it certainly is effective. Yeah, I was going to say it's just the probably that counter-attacking style. It's something you probably don't want to see at Suncorp. You're the home team. You need to be bossing the game. But certainly on the road, um, you got. Most football fans wouldn't have a problem that counter-attacking style, especially against a Perth team which you know has got a very, very strong defence. One thing I actually also want to see this weekend, uh, obviously the two wingers. I want to see Bortiak, I want to see Mickelson really getting in and trying to get some shots on goal because look, I preface this by saying, love Ivan Franich and what he did for the Raw. I want to see them really try and take advantage of when Franich pushes up. Yeah. Because I think that's one thing that we've mm. seen he does love to get forward, so if you get Mickelson or Bortiak in, in in behind him, that's where I think you're going to have your success. And Jason Davis is doing the exact same thing on the other side for Perth, so you definitely want to push the two wing backs back defensively. That's because that can really blunt Perth because they don't have any other width in their lineup other than those two players. So if they're pushed right back, that nullifies a lot of what they've done really well in the first couple of weeks. And one unfortunate downside for the Roar is, of course, Diego Castro won't be playing, which means Perth will have all 11 players on the pitch <laughs> capable of defending. <laughs> but I think... Um, Let it go, James. I will when he will. I actually think that, yeah, the, the, bat, the battle of the game might be who wins the battle sort of out wide. You know, normally we say it's in the midfield and all that, but you bring up a good point that you've got two sets of wing-backs that will, you know, will go high and will attack. It's And it's whether being caught on the, you know, whoever sort of errs in defence might sort of, you know, cross the side of the game. I think that's a big point, but still, I look at the midfield battle, the Raw should outnumber Perth 3-2 to two in there if the formation stayed the same. So that's also a huge advantage for the Raw. And that's also something where maybe Mackay would be a little bit more yep. useful from the start, and then you bring in more his passing off the bench as the game does start to get a little bit more stretched. Highly possible. And look, Truthfully, that's the luxury of you know being in the position of the Raw right now, where they do probably have more players capable of starting than they actually can start. Yeah. Uh, the one name, I actually, the one other name I do want to bring up as well, Dylan Wenzel Halls. Obviously, we saw a few uh, responses on our social accounts coming through saying, "Why isn't he playing?" With with Dylan, I am going to be a big advocate of patience. I don't want to see him on the field until the calendar reads twenty nineteen, unless there's an absolute injury crisis. Take your time and develop him. He is not necessarily being brought in to be a feature player this season. I feel like if they're going to bring him along, it's going to be with an eye on the 1920-2021 season. 
and with him, you're really bringing him along with an eye on the future. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And uh, look, I know, but I know that yeah, there there was a clamouring you know to see him get a chance and all that. But what I want to see from Dylan Wenzel Halls is you know play out a strong youth league. Then you know what? Then come 2019, as you say, then you know if he's if he's having a strong time in that, you know, and actually scoring goals and all that, then give him a chance. Because the worst thing you can do is play him in a pressure situation against probably the toughest defence in the league. That he starts to lose confidence because he's getting absolutely shut out of the game. And then we you're better off having him play at youth level, find that score that for, scoring form, and then sort of you know go with momentum. So I think I think yeah. everyone just needs to be a little bit patient with Dylan. I like the excitement yeah. about him. That's one thing. Absolutely, build the confidence in him first. Yep. Don't throw him into games. We've seen the Raw played a lot of younger players early yep. in seasons before, and it hasn't worked for them. They've never gotten never gotten going in the A League, and they've just been cut aside. I don't want to see that with Dylan. I want him to get his confidence up. Let him get him. Let him build up his confidence. Let him. Let him build up a combination yeah. with someone like Daniel Lech. Obviously, the Raw. Yeah. John obviously doesn't think he's ready yet because he hasn't picked yeah. him for the first two games. So they're obviously taking it slow with him, which I think is the right approach as well. Just, I want to see him play. Yeah, no, Having no, seen no, him in the NPL, I'm excited by seeing him play in the yeah, A League. We but do have the youth league. We do want so we him to. We have to go out to Logan. Yeah, just no, wait no one wants to see ready. him. You know, just get absolutely belted around. You know, in the A League because because what the thing is that yeah, look for all the um, people that are back him personally as well from where he's come from as well, is that then we don't want a situation where he goes three or four games where he's basically a non-event, and then people start saying, well. What's the hype on this kid? Well, we're not seeing it. Let him develop in his own time. The comparison people I guarantee make is he'll be worth it. D'Agostino made one start really early in Aloysius' first but That was because there was absolute injuries and carnage and he had no other options. Yep. That was a necessity-based thing. With Dylan right now, there's no necessity to throw him in. Just be patient. Let him let him get his... He's still, I think, working on his fitness as well because yeah. he's going from playing and training once or twice a week and then a game. Now he's training every day. That takes time. That's what took King Kenny time down in victory. Just patience. is Your word patience is absolutely what's going to be required. That's it. All right, so we're going to close off with not score predictions, but what are we expecting from this game? I'll lead off and give you guys a couple of minutes. i got to be honest, at the start of the season, I had Perth winning this game, and while I would love to have had my mind changed right now, I think Perth are going to come away with with a win, but I think we're going to see a few encouraging signs from the Roy. I could see them taking an early lead. I would take a draw right now. A draw, from, I'll this be happy ga- with. from this game, it was of the first five games. This is the toughest game for the Raw. The Glory are a tough team, as over there, generally speaking. Anyway, not for the Raw, based on the record, but they're a tough team. Glory this year, they've got a really strong team, strong defence, and I think Popovich is going to have them really well drilled. And it's a Saturday night primetime game in the West. They don't get too many of these, and they're starting off really well in the league. Off a big result against Victor, I think the crowd's going to be strong. You'd have to say all everything favours Glory, but I'm still going to say the Raw. And also, Get a draw, should, hopefully. and also, I should just say, if there are any Raw fans listening that are making the trip to Perth, try and get on the uh, Far Post Perth fan cams. Yes. <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to be the uh, optimist. I actually think the Raw might pinch this one. I, I just, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, look, I, I just think that, you know, it's going to, look, I don't think it's going to be comprehensive. I think it's going to be, you know, a late winner. But I just look, I just think that a lot of it's going to be sort of stalemate stuff. And my sort of, if I was betting, probably a, I'd probably be thinking draw. But I just got this feeling that you know they're going to come out and they're going to, and I reckon that they, they counterattack. They might just pinch one, I think. But yeah, I'm I'm saying win, but you know it wouldn't shock me if it was a draw. 
I, I'm still backing yeah. Perth. Like, I, I really like what Popovich has done over there, and I still rate him very highly as a coach. I just think early season... Yeah. Oh, early that. season lottery still, I think. Yep. We, you normally don't look at um, too much form until about you know, six or seven weeks in. Although what? It, it, is the, it is the league of draws so far. Six of the ten games have been mm-hmm. draws, so who knows? Yes. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. I think it was shorter than... Uh, what we've been doing in pre-season. So. If we edit out Adam's rant, it'll be really short. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for this edition. Scott, Adam, thank you. Yeah, thanks, See you again, guys. James, Adam. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week for what will probably be a show heavy on Scott and Adam's analysis after a busy few days for me at work. So uh, enjoy the football Saturday night. We'll talk to you then.